0: You're listening to the Lockdown Nuggets Podcast, your daily podcast from the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Lockdown Nuggets Podcast, part of the On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates, from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Today's episode of the show, I am joined by Denver Stiffs' own Ryan Blackburn, writer, senior writer, and host of the Nuggets Numbers podcast. Ryan, what's going on? Senior
1: writer, man, that's that's a that's a new title. I might have to add that to my resume. That's that's pretty cool. You just I mean, got promoted. This,
0: oh, this, promoted. this is breaking news. Promoted to great. senior writer.
1: Oh man, I I can't wait. I can't wait to flash that title to to our the rest of our staff who are surely going to be <laughs> flummoxed by that.
0: Well, I, this is like uh, assistant to the regional manager. It's more like you're a college <laughs> senior and you're a writer, so you're you're a senior writer.
1: So you're basically just throwing me a bone. That's
0: fine. That's fine. <laughs> you're our junior most senior writer is what you are. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but Ryan is part of our very good Denver Nuggets – or I'm sorry, Denver Stiffs Podcast Network, which I think gets better with every single show. So be sure not just to subscribe to this one, but I know you're jonesing for more Nuggets content. We have a whole uh, – we have four shows uh, in addition to this one that – the writing staff at Denver Stiffs produce so be sure to subscribe to the Denver Stiffs podcast. Ryan, how are you feeling right now? Just big just big picture. This is how I look at the team. They had a great game against Minnesota, where a blowout win against a bad team, and they've had three games where it's kind of felt like they've escaped, but I also feel like they've played well. So it's this weird thing where I can't tell if I'm I'm optimistic or pessimistic about just like I'm definitely not pessimistic, but I can't tell if I'm neutral or optimistic about where the team is right now.
1: I think you should be optimistic, honestly. Like, I, t- I took a look at the numbers. I took a look at what they have done over the last four games, and it's been really impressive. When you kind of go through it, the game against Minnesota, it's a blowout win, the kind of the standard thing that you do when you're at home facing a worse team. But when you're caught up in adversity, when you are with Dallas, with Jokic just not playing well, and then Paul Millsap helps get them through that. That's a great step for a playoff team. Um, You've got Indiana where Jokic gets ejected and they still find a way to win that game through adversity. That's a great thing. And then you go on the road against a good Boston team that has usually, well, let's just say they've, they've embarrassed Denver when they go to Boston most of the time and Denver pulls it out. They they use their late game execution and a great starting unit to help pull out that game. I think that they really passed a lot of different tests. And if we're grading it on a scale of one to ten, I'm 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 at a nine point five. Oh they're, wow, they're doing great. They're doing that's, awesome.
0: That's a dose of some real optimism, which I like, especially from the numbers guy, because you're 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 not as I think um, you're much more of a head head guy than a heart guy with a lot of this stuff. Um, the Boston win was interesting to me because the Nuggets. I thought just looked like the better team by, by not by a little bit, but I just thought they looked like, Oh man, the nuggets are a lot better than the the Celtics.
1: It's weird because you, you look at the preseason predictions for these, for both of these teams. And Boston is one of those rosters that just looks stacked and they're projected to be an Eastern Conference Finals and maybe an NBA Finals team so it's a really great step in the right direction for Denver they've they've passed every test like I said and they they just keep getting better and better it's really cool to see
0: well we're gonna dive into 10 ways the Nuggets can improve between now and the playoffs and um you know it feels like we're in the home stretch I think clearly in the middle of it now I think you could look at this road trip that Denver's on and even the return game against Detroit although Detroit's playing really really well so that game that's no gimme but after that, it's a murderer's row. After the Detroit game, they go on the road and they just play all of the West good teams. So uh, it feels like we're in like the first half of the home stretch, where the second half of the home stretch is the toughest of the tough. But um, nonetheless, they're still kind of in it, and we're looking at. I don't know that what they do over the next. How many games are left, Ryan? Thirteen. Four? Thir- yeah, yeah you've thirteen. Got 13 left. So, so of the next of of, I don't know that what they do over the thirteen games is really going to be that indicative of what they do in the playoffs. But nonetheless, there's certain trends we'd like to see, and where we're going to start off the number one thing, they can be better in first quarters. Just get off to better starts. This team has been great in fourth quarters all season. They've been great in fourth quarter since the All Star break. First quarters, not quite as much.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I would definitely say. The defense has taken a drop-off. I know that we, we kind of crunched the numbers looking at this before. They've they've been a great first-quarter defense for most of the season, but since the All-Star break, I think it's down to, what was it, 17th in defensive rating? Uh, yeah. That's not where they need to be. If they want to be a playoff-caliber roster, one of the things that they've done a great job is embrace their defensive identity. So that's something they certainly need to get back to.
0: Yeah, these, these starts are weird because... It, it It is – some of the shots haven't fallen. They've just looked a little bit – I don't want to say lethargic. I've said all year this team looks like they know how to save energy for the fourth, which I guess is yeah. a veteran thing. I mean, the NBA is a fourth-quarter league. I have a gambling buddy who I always talk to, and he always – I'll always text him in the second quarter, and I'll be like, man, I don't know. Nugget's down eight. This isn't looking good, and he always just takes back LOL because he's always like, (laughs) dude, the fourth quarter is when the game's won or lost, and Denver's been really good there, but nonetheless, you know, those first quarters aren't meaningless, and it would be nice to see Denver, especially four back-to-backs in this final 13 games. It'd be nice to see them um, (laughs) blow a couple teams out and get some rest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It would it would certainly help them when they're trying to save guys down the stretch and and maybe rest Jokic or or rest some of their starters. Or Monte Morris has played every single game. Malik Beasley's played every single game this year. So it'd be nice to get some guys some breaks over the course of this, the rest of these few games. But to your point, uh, this Nuggets team just knows that they're really good. They they yeah. have the horses yeah. to when things are. When things are going rough, they know that they can get back into it if they just play the right way, but sometimes they need a little bit of a kick in the rear, and nothing does that like being down double digits in the first quarter.
0: Are you concerned at all about the Washington Wizards?
1: Uh, the road I, game. I'm, I'm concerned about the Denver Nuggets. I'm, I'm not <laughs> concerned about like the it. Washington Wizards. It's... it's... The Nuggets have guys to stop Bradley Beale. They have guys to make things more difficult for the rest of those guys on the Washington's roster. This is a game that Denver should win by twenty, even though they're on Ooh, the road. Twenty. They've yeah, they've they they have a two day two days off. They've only been on the road for one game so far, and even if they're trying to save some things for the the Knicks on the next night after that because they're playing a second game of back to back that next day, uh, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they should beat the worst team.
0: It'd be nice to get a workmanlike win. Just like you said, that would show a lot of focus. If they come out and they're up by, you know, fifteen twenty going into the fourth, it, it would that would show a workmanlike mentality of hey, we got to fly to New York and play in New York tomorrow. Let's just take care of business early. Um, the next one on my list, Gary Harris returns to form. And this one I think has mostly to do with injuries and being in and out of the lineup. But part of this is just that Gary Harris was in a weird slump before the injuries, and last night I was watching some Gary Harris highlight videos, some Dawkins videos of Gary Harris, just to kind of remind myself of how good this guy is. He's really freaking good. It'd be
1: great to get the
0: A-plus version of Gary Harris back uh, going into the playoffs.
1: This is a guy who we were talking about at the beginning of this year, either maybe taking the next step or being the second best player on the team. And I I think that that was certainly warranted after his performance last year, but hasn't really happened. And one number, I'm going to throw one number at you. Uh, The the Nuggets have kind of 11 guys that they've been playing or 10 guys that they've been playing in and out of the rotation. But Gary Harris is ninth on the team in usage right now, Mm. 16.5 percent. 20 is average, about, yeah. and 16.5% is really low for for a guy of his caliber. I think that his uh, his role is just kind of in question right now when he's playing with that starting unit. So I'd like to see them get him more involved, get him coming off the dribble handoffs consistently, back-cutting when, when he's with Jokic. I don't think he back-cuts enough, honestly. But I think that that's something yeah, I
0: agree.
1: That, that Jokic could really hit him hard with. like, that, like That's easy points right there.
0: He scored six. He's coming off a game with sixteen points, which I think is encouraging. Double figures yeah. in four of the last six, which before that he only one of the previous six. So I think there's hope to believe that he's kind of working himself back into into that um, kind of back into that. Do you predict he will get what, what kind of Gary Harris do you think we will have um, down the stretch?
1: I think he's going to be about a fifteen point per game guy, somebody that you count on for about uh, ten to twelve shots a night. Uh, mm. He's not going to be a high usage guy. I don't think, he, like, given the way that Jamal Murray has played this year, given that they have Will Barton in the in the starting lineup this year to kind of handle some of that offense, I don't think he's going to be a very high volume guy. But it would be great to get some twenty point, thirty point Gary Harris performances oh, man. No. over the course of the yeah. next month. That <laughs> I, changes he's...
0: that changes things so much. If he just has twenty, I mean, he's not, he's only had a handful of thirty plus games. He's actually kind of surprisingly. Like, the, his high point total games are, are actually kind of lower than you think. But still, 20, 20 points consistently or have a couple 25 in there. That would be that would be huge for Denver. The next, next one I have on my list, Jokic shoots well from three. And I don't know that this one's, like, the most crucial thing. But when you're just looking, first of all, this Nuggets team's pretty good. So there's not a ton of areas for them to get, like, that much better. But Jokic, I've said this on the show, when the offense is more even – and all of the guys are healthy and and he's not relied upon as much to create every little thing. I feel like he gets better three-point looks and you look at his attempts, they're down a little bit. Um, I I don't th- I think there's a realistic chance that he could shoot 40% for the rest of the year including playoffs.
1: Oh, I think he's already on that route. I think that post All-Star break, I think I I checked this uh, yesterday, he's up over 40% in the in post All-Star break so far. There you so go. I think you're you're exactly right there. He's somebody who it it it's a rhythm thing with him. As as he starts getting into the feel of things, he's not forced to take shots that he doesn't feel comfortable taking. Then he's going to start looking and identifying the basket much better and finding the rhythm on his shot. Uh, that's something that when he's in the pick and pop game, he he's excellent with. So
0: forty one percent post All Star break. So I did not. I actually just looked it up now as we were talking. But yeah, forty one percent and on lower volume. But I think that's good for him. I've always said, you know, maybe. Maybe 15% of his threes were forced, and they were forced because either he just wasn't getting the ball, the ball wasn't humming, or because he had such a big workload, it was just like he was forced to kind of force some action. But now that he doesn't have to do that, I'm not surprised that he's shooting. Albeit, it's 14 of 34, so, I mean, he misses six in a row, then you know these numbers swing, but nonetheless, I I think he can do that. Let's take a break uh, real quick, and when we get back, we'll finish off our list. And the break I want to tell you about... The tournament starts. If you're listening to this, you might be watching the tournament. Get in on some of the action with DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. They have totally free bracket with tens of thousands of dollars up for grabs. Everyone fills out a bracket during the tourney. You might as well do it on the award-winning app with tons of free prizes. For the first time ever, DraftKings is offering a bracket battle promotion with $64,000 in prizes. You can enter completely for free. I'm rooting for Gonzaga. Uh... You know how brackets work. Before tip-off of the first game of the tournament, you just pick the winner of every game every round. That's all there is to it. And the best part is you can play for free with the code DRIBBLE. Dribble like a basketball. Use that promo code. You can even set up a private group to uh, challenge your office, your friends, uh, your grandma, whatever it is. Um, So download the DraftKings app Apps are the easiest way to do it, but if you want to, if you insist, you can go to DraftKings.com. Just make sure you use the promo code DRIBBLE uh, and enter the bracket battle promotion for free. Compete for your share of $64,000. That's Use the code DRIBBLE to enter, and it's completely free. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama.
0: Here with Ryan Blackburn, Denver Stiffs.com, host of the Nuggets Numbers podcast. Um, Ryan, next one I have on here is that they defend at a high level. And I don't even I don't necessarily have a mark for this, but let me just say this: I think this Nuggets team, we've kind of gone back and forth about what kind of defensive team they can be. I actually think they are one of the 10 best defenses in the league when fully healthy. And they went through a period without you know, two of their best defenders, maybe they're two actually best defenders. But when they're fully healthy, I think they're one of the 10 best defensive teams in the league.
1: I completely agree with you when you see guys like Gary Harris and Paul Millsap getting back into the fold it really changes the way that the Nuggets play defense they start flying around and even when those guys are off the floor they set the example of what you're supposed to be doing on defense on a consistent basis Uh, when you have Paul Millsap that means you don't have to play Mason Plumlee as many minutes it means that Torrey Craig is coming in for short bursts and he can really make an impact
0: there which Uh, by the way the Torrey Craig note I think is great and I said this when he was starting and playing 35 minutes a night, I think Torrey Craig is great in small doses. Narrow players who are a little bit more—they're um, not—they're specialists. Those guys don't get exposed in 15 minutes stretch, like 15 minutes in a game. In 25, 30, they do, but in 15 minutes, you just get a, a ball of energy.
1: I absolutely agree. He's been playing well on both ends since since the All-Star break. And I think one of the reasons for that, as you said, is just like he's being utilized in the best possible way for yeah. him, not being asked to do too much. Uh, defensively, he guards the best guy when he's on there uh, and it gives everybody else a break and they can just fly around. But really, once, when when you look at the game film, when you look at the way that these guys play, You see, especially when the fourth quarter comes around, the Nuggets fly around as a team, and they've made a lot of great reads defensively. Paul Millsap has done a great job of organizing the defense. Nikola Jokic has gotten better. Mason Plumlee, I think, is really underrated in doing this, where he's pointing out where guys need to go, making sure that everybody hits the, the correct read and on the scram switches, or making sure to rotate over as many times as possible he does a great job and yeah. the nuggets have really benefited from that
0: yeah i agree you, you we you had a great note here about refining game plan execution and i think as we get ready for the playoffs one of the things malone has really complained about his team post game after losses has was these guys don't know you know not paying attention to the scouting report you're supposed to go over on a screen guys go under you're supposed to close out they don't you know this this kind of thing and I think over the last couple games, I've been impressed with with the game plan execution. But I think for the rest of the the games on the schedule, it'd be great for them to not be giving up wide open shots to Joe Ingles. (laughs) You know, like going under the screen on Steph Curry and things like that.
1: There are specific things when you're talking about the best players in the NBA or certain guys (laughs) that have certain tendencies that you can see very visibly on the scouting report that if you just take those things away, it makes things... 3% 3% or 5% easier for everybody else. Uh, that means a lot over the 48 minute game. Mm. Uh, this is something that Michael Malone has preached, and I think the Nuggets are starting to put it into practice. But once they continue to do it for a full 48 minutes, I think you're right. This team is a top 10 defensive team when they're fully engaged.
0: And talking about tory Craig, the next one on the list is solidifying a rotation. And I like this one. Um, I'm with you. I think tory Craig should play. I think it's a nine man rotation. I think even in the playoffs, there's probably nine guys you can play. Um, th- it's just that the four off the bench pl- probably play less. Um, but right. I I like Torrey Craig in there for a couple reasons. One, Wancho and Trey Lyles just aren't haven't been very good, very consistently. I think with Torrey Craig, you consistently know what you get from him. Not not that he's great at everything, but you kind of know what things he is great at, and he's consistent at those.
1: Absolutely. And I think I I, I fall into the trap of, of pointing out what he's not good at, unfortunately, just because of course. He, he has a, a very distinct lack of defensive rebounding ability. And that's just something I, I see every single game for whatever reason. But outside of that, you're talking about a guy who's given the 10 most energetic minutes possible that he can when he's out there on the floor. He's defending usually the other team's best player. He is. Uh, making sure that everybody else is getting a break when he's out there, at least for a little bit. And if he can knock down one open shot in a playoff game, uh, that could, that could yep. be extremely helpful in a fourth quarter where the Nuggets just need a bucket. And he did like that the against Boston, Boston, Boston game. Yeah, yep, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yep. He, he had some big, big plays, not just the three, but the backdoor cut as well. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that he's got to just give you one of those plays. maybe, If he plays 15 minutes, you know, maybe two or three of those plays. But I think he's pretty consistent at at making some type of play that's impactful. Um, Moving along, Paul Millsap hitting threes and. Three's plural is probably wrong. I just, Millsap's going to find himself open on the perimeter about two or three times per game, and he just needs to be able to knock down one of those, preferably the first one. Because if you knock down the third one, it means that the team left you open. Um, you know, but if you knock down that first one, it a lot of times it does change the way that teams play you. And I don't think he needs to be an elite three point shooter by any means. But he's just, I've talked about this a lot. Teams are kind of. They look at the Nuggets' offense and they think, man, we can't stop them. What's the worst option? And the worst option is Paul Millsap shooting threes.
1: Absolutely. And that's something that you talk about with the Golden State Warriors a lot, where, okay, which which of these guys are we going to leave? We're not going to leave Steph Curry. We're not going to leave Kevin Durant. Okay, let's let's leave Draymond Green open on the perimeter. And if he, if he hits two or three threes during the game, then, okay, we'll live with that as long as it's not those other guys. I think it's a very similar dynamic. But Paul Millsap just happens to be like 10% better. At, mm. at shooting threes and, and just doing what he needs to do to, to score. And what he's done over the course of the post all-star break, I think he's up to about 36, 37% from three. Uh, that's good enough. If the nuggets can get that on a consistent basis in the playoffs where he's hitting about one to two of every four to five shots that he's taking, that's good enough. If they can just continue to get that consistently. And I think that they will. I think Paul Millsap, he's a gamer. He knows yeah knows exactly what he needs to do in these certain situations, and
0: he rises to the occasion. He really does. Um, Speaking of rising to the occasion, my next one is Will Barton gets back to 100%. Um, You know, I think Barton is at 50% right now. He's good in the first half and bad in the second half. (laughs) So that's about 50% of a game. Scott Hastings has really been hammering this one home. Uh, I'm not sure, like Paul Millsap last year, I'm not sure Will Barton will get back. If you remember... Millsap was pretty bad when he returned from injury, but he was pretty good down the stretch. That winning streak Denver had to close out the year. Millsap had the 36-point game. He was he he looked more like his his true self in that last 6 or 7 minutes. So, I think one narrative you could that that's probably has a lot of accuracy to it was he came back in February, I believe late February. The whole right. month of March he was bad, but the month of April he wasn't nearly as bad, especially that that, that last week or two. So, Um, maybe the same thing happens for Barton. He has certainly not been, um, has not been great. Here's some stats for you. He's taken the lowest percentage of field goal attempts at the rim in his career, including his rookie and sophomore season. That's a great sign of a guy that just doesn't have the lift and explosiveness. And he's in the prime of his athletic career. So he should be getting to the rim more than, you know, as much as ever, um, career, uh, 30% at the rim, 30% of his shots come at the rim this year, 23. Um, and this is just by almost every statistic, especially advanced statistics, this is his worst season in Denver by a fairly wide margin. Now, a lot of that is explained by the injury, but you know he's got an opportunity here to really bounce back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I've really noticed from him, uh, the percentage of shots that he's taken from floater range, are a large enough amount that he needs to be hitting them at a reasonable clip. And right now he's shooting 35% from in between three feet and 10 feet. So kind of outside the restricted area. Mm. Uh, That's something that if he can get up over 40% and he hasn't been great at it for a while, but that's something that I think that if he can up that percentage a little bit, make sure that if he's not able to get to the rim, and that, that seems to be pretty reasonable right now just because he doesn't have the lift, uh, then he needs to be able to hit the shots that are just outside of the restricted area because his, his off-the-dribble game is what makes him so special.
0: I think him getting to the rim, I mean, it's both the floater and, and the rim uh, zone, and he's just below his career average and be- certainly below what he was last year. And you figure, again, he's in the prime of his career from an age perspective. Just got to get over that injury hump. But, um, you know, he, like a lot of the stuff we're talking about, I think trending in the right direction, slower than we would like. But um, I definitely think he's better now than he was before the All-Star break and, you know, some, some of those. So maybe yeah, a couple more I, weeks I he gets good.
1: I agree. He'll, he'll eventually figure it out.
0: My next one's my favorite one. <laughs> they start getting calls. <laughs> This is a funny one. It just—I know Nuggets fan. Look, every fan base complains about calls, so don't feel special that you are complaining that that. You, I know a lot of Nuggets fans, especially we get a lot of people from Serbia saying, you know, the league is rigged, nobody gets disrespected, and look, I think that Jokic gets as tough a whistle as any star player in the league. I really believe that, but Denver as the whole. They're not an aggre. They're a finesse team. They're not a very like physical at the rim team, and so I kind of understand why they don't get a ton of calls. Nonetheless, if Denver, if Denver can get a little bit of mojo going, um, they might start to get some of these calls. You know, teams have been so reluctant to believe in the Nuggets or, or just analysts and everything else, and you have to assume refs too. But if Denver can close out the season nicely, you have to respect them as a number one or two seed. And I, th- I just think that'll carry a lot more weight. Maybe they'll start getting to the free throw line and getting calls.
1: Two big numbers for you. The first is their free throw attempt rate on the season. That's 28th in the NBA. Mm. Uh, they they don't get to the rim enough. They have had a lot of games, honestly, where the, the, the numbers bear that out. They're getting to the rim and... and not shooting as well as they should be because they are a finesse team. As you said, the most recent game that they played against the San Antonio Spurs, I'm just looking at the box score right here on the off, like, on an offhand number, guess how many free throw attempts they had during
0: that game? Well, I know it was four because it was the yeah, fewest of the season. Yeah, but again, you're talking about the 28th awful. most frequent free throw team versus the number one least fouling team. So it, it kind of – it's not that surprising, but you're right that four is is an awful few. <laughs> it's
1: like the, the 100th percentile outcome for both of those things. Uh, I – that That's something that needs to change. Uh, Nikola yeah. Jokic needs to stay aggressive. I think that you're right. I think I, I saw a tweet a couple of weeks ago that he gets the least amount of free throws given to him of the all-star big men cast. Uh, it's not surprising because he just doesn't get that credit. Uh, he's gonna have to start though he's gonna have to start forcing the issue and it can't be with his elbows honestly because he's just going to get offensive foul calls and we're gonna run into more tony brother situations
0: and it should be noted that he draws a lot of fouls he just doesn't draw a lot of shooting fouls and part of this is it part of his game he's always like trying to like jockey players out of position for something and then get the foul but it's just it's not a lot with the shooting and and so maybe there's something there. But I think getting calls, um, Denver, if they can get a little streak going, which is my next one, second to last one, they go on a streak. With 13 games left, you know, we're looking at a lot of these numbers, and we're going to talk about this a lot next. Oh, 7-6, 6-7, and, six, six and seven, what does it mean? Maybe they get 8 or whatever, but we remember last year, That was a brutal close to the season last season. It wasn't easy games, and they rose to the occasion. We've seen this team in the Nikola Jokic-Michael Malone era. They play to the level of their competition, and they play bad against teams like Dallas just all the time. But when they play the good teams, the Bostons or whatever, that's when it brings out their best. So if Denver gets a little streak going here and, and can string together some games, not only will I think it make Nuggets Nation more confident, I think it would give them a boost of confidence going into the postseason.
1: Absolutely. No, this is a this is something where you're fi- you have to fire on all cylinders at the end of the year. Uh, that's what the that's what the 2012 2013 Denver Nuggets were doing before Daniel Gallinari went down with his ACL injury. Right. Uh, they were they're were playing so well. And then when you lose all of that momentum in April, then what are what are you supposed to do? How can you recover from that? So that's I, I think that's a great point. There's a balance between playing the the rest game where you try to get your players as as ready for the postseason physically as possible versus keeping them engaged, keeping them focused, keeping them going in the right direction. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I think the Nuggets are going to be a team where winning going into the postseason makes more of a difference than staying rested going into the postseason.
0: Mm, I like that. I kind of agree with it. The last one, and to me, I don't want to say the only one that matters, but I think far and away the most important one, and I've talked about this a lot, they continue to play as patiently over the final 13 games as they have the last three on offense, and I've talked about this so much, the Nuggets, their bread and butter is their offense. To me, the Nuggets offense can be the second-best offense in all of the NBA, better than the Rockets, better than everybody but the Warriors, basically, who, I, I mean, come on, they can't catch. I, at, at their best, they can go toe-to-toe with them, you know, for the most part. But um, outside of them, the Nuggets offense is just seven seconds or less Suns, It's unstoppable. So, But it's the only thing that stops it is getting impatient. I thought the last three games, the number one takeaway I have was that they really, really, really trusted their passing and as a result, we saw some beautiful basketball. It resulted in a bunch of missed threes, unfortunately. But, you know, that stuff, it averages out in the long haul, and they're going to have some games where they're really, really hot. Basketball reference has them at, in the bottom five of pace this
1: year. Uh, where they, they don't play as possessions as most of these other teams, simply because, as you said, they're working the ball around. They're making sure that they, they maximize the, the possessions that they do have. Uh, Nikola Jokic needs to be at the center of that that's the best pace for him to play is it's not a sped up game where it's a one pass and then dribble into a pull-up shot. It's him working the ball around using dribble handoffs consistently, back cutting guys, working it into the post and finding the open man on the perimeter. This is stuff that is bread and butter, as you said, for the nuggets. If they stay with that, then you're right. There's, there's no way that any team can stop them reasonably until the postseason where we'll just have to see what happens and how how they respond to that but going into it i think that that's that's what they have to do
0: let's take another break and when we come back on the other side we're going to wrap up a quick segment um by talking about what ryan who's crunched the numbers run the analytics what he predicts will happen with the eight playoff spots out west and then also what we both hope will happen we'll be right back With Ryan Blackburn, DenverStiffs.com, senior writer, newly appointed and also host of the Nuggets Numbers podcast. Uh, all right, Ryan, so <laughs> the Rockets lost tonight. I can't lie. I did not see that loss coming. It was, it was crazy to watch. They The Memphis
1: Grizzlies were up 19 going into the fourth quarter, and I made a tweet about it, and the Rockets immediately roar back to tie things up going into overtime, and I'm sweating bullets out here. So it was great for the Nuggets' purposes that the Rockets did lose that game. That means that the Rockets are down five in the loss column to Denver, and it, it really solidifies that if Denver goes on a little bit of a run here, they could actually be a top-two seed.
0: So tell me real quick now. Houston has a pretty easy schedule. Memphis was part of that easy schedule, so even good teams can lose to bad ones. You know, if the if they're not careful, what do you see? um, You know, who do you see as the biggest threat to Denver at the two seed? I still think it's Houston, but I think
1: Portland. If CJ McCollum can come back reasonably, I think that they're a reasonable threat to denver just because they actually have a weaker schedule than houston right now Oh wow! Uh, Port- portland has the 20th ranked strength of schedule and they play denver twice so they really control their own destiny oh, a little bit there yeah. where there where they could actually if if portland was able to win those two games then that means that denver loses those two games so we'll have to see what happens there but i think that those two teams are the biggest threats
0: now how do you see this shake it out well i actually let me ask you this one first do you see that what do you what does Denver have a better chance of, in your opinion, getting the one seed or getting the three seed?
1: Uh, I think that it's probably, hmm, it's it really is even. I, I see that they're, they're going to probably be the two seed. That's where I see it. But if I had to predict either the one seed or the three seed, I would say the one seed simply because Golden State, they could certainly rest guys going into the postseason and we don't know how much that's going to affect them.
0: Let's look at Houston's schedule real quick because if they, if Houston for or I'm sorry, Golden State, um, if they lose like one or two of the upcoming games, so if they just go on a little slide, unpredictable, but you know, let's just say they hit a little stumbling patch. They might sure. not be as motivated. They got Indiana, good team. They've got Dallas, Detroit, Memphis, Minnesota. Probably not a lot of losers in there, but let's just say they lose to a, an Indiana and a Dallas or Detroit. They might be motivated to correct course, but they might also look at it and say, "Do we really want to push to go, you know, 9 and 2 down the stretch? Like that might wear us out. We're not worried about Denver, which I don't think they are." Maybe they take their foot off the gas. But shy of, short of that, I just don't see Denver winning more games than them down the stretch. <laughs>
1: The nightmare scenario for Denver is is for that exact thing to happen, but then for Portland to get the three seed over Houston and Houston to be in the four seed. So just in case that Denver actually does get into the top seed, they still have to play Houston in the second round if they advance. So beautiful. uh, It would be be a nightmare scenario, but I, I still think that it could certainly happen. I think that the one seed is definitely in play for Denver. Their magic number to get there is combined wins, for Denver and combined losses for Golden State right now would be 14. So it's looking a little bit rough at this point, but yeah. if the Warriors lose a couple of games, then you you start seeing that thing come back into focus. And Denver does play Golden State once more, so we'll see what happens. That'd be there. a
0: fun game. Um, what De- With Denver, how many games do you see them winning? They have 13 left.
1: Yeah, I think that they're probably going to go about 8-5, and five, which means that they'd finish the season 55-27. and 27
0: that's a crazy record um I'm gonna go with seven wins and if they come out tomorrow like I said and just blow out washington I might I'm, I know Washington's not a not a great team but I'm just kind of curious to see where this team is at and if they come out focused and motivated tomorrow i i might I might feel better about getting all the way up to eight wins um all right give me the rundown of what you predict the final standings to be I think the final at
1: least the top we'll start with the top four. I think the top four that we see right now is what's going to be the top four
0: yeah. going
1: into it. I think Golden State's going to be one. I think Denver's going to be two. I think Houston's going to be three, unfortunately, and Portland's going to sit at four. I don't think that the CJ McCollum absence is going to affect them too terribly much. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, Utah still has one of the easiest strengths of schedule of any team out there. It's actually the weakest strength of schedule of any team in the Western Conference and in the NBA. So they're yeah. probably going to stay at five and then Oklahoma City is going to stay at 8. So I think that it's going to be either San Antonio at 6 and Los Angeles Clippers at 7 or vice versa. Those teams are going to be kind of flip-flopping for the rest of the year. So I think that if you're the if you're the Nuggets, you have to start preparing for one of the Spurs, the Clippers or the Thunder going into the first round of the playoffs
0: if denver appears to be a lock for the two seed and there's a real chance they lose to the warriors they fall maybe two games behind them three games behind them and the rockets are three games behind denver do you think there's a scenario where teams five six and seven will be jockeying for the seven seed to avoid golden state and avoid houston Oh God. Yeah. I think that it's going to be,
1: I think that Utah is going to really separate themselves as a five seed and they may even jump up into the four seed territory, but between San Antonio, Los Angeles and Oklahoma city, that's going to be a weird funky race because if Denver is in the two seed, then those teams, those three teams, the team that's in the middle gets to play Denver and the teams that are on the outside, they're six or eight. They have to face the two teams from the Western conference finals last year. And one of the, greatest teams of all time so i think that it's, it's going to be interesting to see who comes in and wins that race or loses that race whatever you
0: want to quantify it as well give me this then um give me your odds of denver and i'm going to give you each team just kind of give me your odds of them beating uh, them and then tell me how many games you think it'll take we'll start with the clippers
1: i think that their odds are really high i'd probably put it at 85 90 that they beat the clippers okay uh, that's that's just the team that I simply think that they match up really well with. And when you've got Lou Williams coming off the bench, uh, Denver's starting lineup just crushes the Los Angeles Clippers starting lineup. Yeah, I agree. Um, Utah Jazz? Uh, I'm, i put that more probably 60-40 Denver.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, okay.
1: I, I, I think that they still would probably win that game, but it's, it's much closer to 50-50. I might even go 50-50, honestly, but I'll, I'll stay at 60-40 right now.
0: I think I would go 50-52, and I think Denver's better than Utah. I think Utah's more experienced. Um, their coach is more experienced. So I think I just think Denver's a better in a vacuum, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was a series that got tough for Denver. Um, it's the same. as I'll go San Antonio next. I feel the same way, closer to 50-50, even though I think Denver's just like so much better than San Antonio, although San Antonio on a nice nine-game winning streak.
1: Yeah. And, and they did lose that one tonight against the Miami heat. So thank, thankfully Mm. they've, they've, hopefully they slow down a little bit. I'm not really worried as much about San Antonio. I think they would probably be about 65 to 70% Denver's way. Uh, I think that they're going to slow down. They, they peaked at the wrong time in early March, uh, that's that's not the right time because you've still got a full month left of the season. Yeah. Uh, this is a team where Denver is starting to get going and they have the depth and the pieces to to really jockey and, and make things difficult for the Spurs. And I don't think that they have an answer for Jokic.
0: Oklahoma City Thunder.
1: Ah, uh, man, that's that's a tougher one. I still th- I, I do lean Denver. And this isn't a homer pick, but it's it's probably 50-50. We'll go 51 Denver, 49 OKC. Uh lots of people think that Denver have Oklahoma City's number. I don't necessarily think that's true. All of the games have been really, really close. Yeah. I would predict Denver to win, but it's we'll just have to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same about that one. I would probably go more 55-45. I think Denver has the upper hand. I don't I've always just not thought Oklahoma City was that good. The thing I worry most about with Oklahoma City you know, they are an intense crowd. You talk about one of the things you worry about Denver is do they freeze in the moment? And Oklahoma City just has the kind of guys to intimidate you. They have Russell Westbrook, they have uh, Paul George, and they have a crazy crowd, loud crowd, that I could just see Westbrook just punching them in a first quarter of game one and, and, you know, 16 points in the first quarter, draws five, six fouls, and so that's what I worry about. But just, again, another team that in a vacuum I think Denver is a decent amount better than. Um, Portland Trailblazers.
1: Uh,
0: We're assuming home go, court for Denver on all yeah, of these, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, and as we should. Uh, I would say 65% Denver, 35% Portland. I really do think that Denver just matches up really well with Portland. Mm. Uh, they're they're a team that while you have Damian Lillard you can let Lillard go off I think that you can play Jokic up on the screen a little bit doesn't necessarily have to take away they don't have the shooters at the three and four spots that can consistently hit those shots in a playoff series and I, while you do have guys like Rodney Hood and Jake Lehman I don't think that you can really trust those guys necessarily in a playoff series anymore that the Nuggets can trust uh, Torrey Craig or or Malik Beasley uh, but those guys, they'd be relying on a lot. And are you going to trust al
0: consistently in a playoff series? I I don't know. I I feel good about that one. Portland's the funniest because I think of all the teams left, that's the elite team I'd least like the Nuggets to lose to for Nurkic reasons. Um, but oh, I also yeah. think Denver's better. And, you know, that's one of those things where beating Nurkic would be, oh, my gosh, how fun would that be? Um, Houston Rockets. Oh, man. Uh, 20% Denver, 80% Houston. I'm really curious to see this last Houston game. I really want to watch. I've said this for a while. Denver has had poor game plans against the Houston Rockets. They have thrown out lineups that feature a lot of their non-scores and tried to say, we we got to match up with Houston. You don't have to match up. They're going to score. They're going to kill you. But you can beat them. 145 to 140. That's the key to beating Houston. Denver, they can't guard Denver either. And you just got to go out there and go toe-to-toe. And you know what? (laughs) Part of me thinks... See if James Harden can beat. It can score 50 points every single game. He can. And, I mean, he's like one of the few guys that actually can. But you know what? <laughs> Do that. I always say this, too. My game plan against the Houston Rockets would be you're not going to – you're going to really play conservatively on shooters um, through three quarters. And then you're going to really load the paint in the fourth. And, and my thought is always this. If a player doesn't get open – PJ Tucker has to beat you in the fourth quarter when he has only taken two shots – He's a great shooter. He's a great player. He might knock those down, but it's just better than letting them play their style of game all four quarters. So, uh, And then on top of that, offensively, put your best offensive lineups out there and see what happens because I think Denver can score on them.
1: I agree. The When we saw in the first three games against Houston, you, you're absolutely right. In the first two games, they're they're playing more defensive lineups. They, they start Torrey Craig, make sure that they're trying to get a guy that matches up really well on James Harden. You can't guard James Harden. Uh, the best thing to do is to do what they did in the third game, which was just start the guys that you know are going to score. I think they started Morris, Beasley, Barton, Nilsap, Jokic that game, mm. and they demolished them. Yep. Uh, they did a great job of spacing the floor, shooting threes, and, and they had an absurd offensive rating in that game. to do it is just James Harden to play defense 48 minutes a game. Yep. Go at him and pick and roll. Don't go at him in the post. I think that people misinterpret that uh, when going at him you don't have to go at him in the post against jokic i actually think that that's that's an even matchup most of the time i don't think
0: the nuggets should go mad and pick and roll either though i just houston's not a team that you want to get suckered into that you're, we're gonna we're gonna change a style to attack. We can just play your game. They're gonna switch Actually, a lot yeah. of things. Just play your game. That's make true. them make them. If they're gonna switch everything, make them switch eight or nine times, but with the ball moving. And then, you know, the one thing they do, they slow the game down. They play a really slow style of basketball, especially offensively. Um, yeah. Make them work on defense, and then see if their shooters can knock down shots at altitude after having to play defense for eighteen seconds every possession. Mm-hmm. I I just. Look, I'm with you. I would say it's probably more 25-75, but I'm really curious to see how Denver approaches this last Houston game. I really hope they go all in offensively.
1: It's it's going to be fun. I I totally agree with you. Uh, get James Harden moving. That's that's the most important thing. Is when you when you get all these guys in motion, he can't conserve energy that way. Uh, yeah. You have to you have to make him defend, and make him make him run because he doesn't do a lot of running right now.
0: Golden State Warriors. And for the sake of argument, the Nuggets have home court advantage.
1: Uh, 5% Denver, 95 Golden State.
0: So you're saying there's a chance.
1: There is a chance, of course. I mean, there's always a chance. I, if, if, let's if, do it
0: this way. Tell me Denver's uh, Warriors have home court.
1: Uh,
0: 1%, 99%. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
1: Uh, because if, if you can defend your home court, make sure to win all four games. That's a tough proposition against Golden State, but you have the opportunity to at least do so yeah. uh, when, you, when you're when you playing four <laughs> games at home. When you don't have that opportunity and you have to go into Oracle at least three times, four times, then that's that's tough.
0: I'm going to shock the world here. I'm going
1: to go
0: 25%. Oh, Oh. oh. <laughs> and I know people are going to find this great. Well, first of all, 25% is not that great. That's pretty low. But here's the thing. All right. yeah. If Denver meets Golden State in a playoff series, it will have meant that they won two playoff series against two really good opponents. So the experience factor kind of changes because you will say, well, this team is now an experienced playoff team. Um, yeah. So th- so let's give that part. And then the second part, Denver has gotten blown out by the Warriors the last two times they've played I think it has as much to do with Denver as it did have to do with Golden State in both of those games. I don't think, I think we saw Denver at two moments when they were probably not at their low point, but just not at their high point either. And let's not forget, before those two games, Denver was a team that actually played them really well, had beaten them in each of the last couple seasons. Denver got out-rebounded, I believe, in both of the two losses. I just don't think that's going to happen. Denver, with the patience that they have shown over the last three games, if they get it to the Western Conference Finals, I can't imagine it will have been any other way but being patient. And a patient offensive Nuggets team is going to kill them on the boards. It's going to They're going to get a lot of good shots, and they're going to limit transition. Denver lost because they got out-rebounded and got beat in transition really, really, really badly. Um, so, again, it's not a high percentage, but you know what? If Denver gets there, I think they have a 25% chance at it.
1: Fair enough. I, I can I can definitely see that going those ways. The The one thing I'll throw out there, that would be the first time in many of these guys' careers where they're playing game number 95 – in a season or game number 100 in a season they're young you just you just get tired the warriors have done a great job of conserving their energy they've done a great job of not trying over the course of these first you know know what the warriors have have done though that
0: the the nuggets have not done is gone deep into the playoffs the last five years and we just see this with teams that go on back to back to back finals runs they wear down over time and true there's a lot of mental fatigue with the warriors right now i think i mean everybody knows kd is out the door Draymond and KD always have this tension. I just, you're, I I totally agree with you about Denver. We don't, you know, we're, we have no idea. They could, we'll lose in the first round, all these different things, but there's cracks in the Warriors' armor that Denver, if they can get back to what they do, I just think can present a couple challenges. But Ryan, we'll hopefully find out together. Hopefully, we'll be in position to get that because a Western Conference finals sweep by the Warriors, Nuggets fans will take, well, well, I think, you know, it would suck getting swept, but that's like one of those good lessons. So even if it happens, there's just nothing to lose and it would be a cool thing to find out. But um, Ryan, thanks for coming on the show on such short notice and and for providing such good insight. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Everybody else, we'll be back again tomorrow recapping what will hopefully be a win over the Washington Wizards. We'll see you all then. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.